you know, now we got some cap space to get some stuff that we need to do down the road. Um, and there's, you know, there's competition in Abbotsford too. There's a couple of guys knocking on the door. So you can make a trade like that. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see what we're going to use with that cap space, cap space down the road. Competition in Abbotsford, you say? talking very interesting you're listening to the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650 halford and bruff of the morning is brought to you by the delari family of Acura dealers experience the delari difference today by visiting your nearest delari accurate dealer today we are in hour three of the program right after rick talkett was talking about competition in abbotsford we have the head of that competition head coach jeremy colton is going to join us in just a minute here to kick off hour three hour three is brought to you by campbell and pound real estate appraisers trust the expertise of campbell and pound visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, let's go to the phone lines right away. We are joined now by the head coach of your Abbotsford Canucks, Jeremy Colleton, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Jeremy. How are you? I'm doing well. Morning to you. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. Um, there's a variety of things that we want to get to in this call and on this interview. And we want to ask about a bunch of guys individually, but not necessarily a recap as like how their season has gone or everything. We want to know like what they're working on and what they're doing so that they can get potentially to the next level. Because Rick Tockett, we played that clip coming back from break, was mentioning that. But before we get to any of that, Jeremy, just big picture stuff. We mentioned the Canucks are fourth overall in the NHL standing. The Abbotsford Canucks are sixth overall in the AHL standing. So it's a great time for the organization. Broad overview of what's gone on so far. How has it been this year? Small sample size and everything, but for your Abbotsford Canucks to start this AHL campaign. Yeah, well, we're, we're headed the right direction, I think. Um we're probably a bit younger this year than last year, um, especially on defense. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be some inconsistency, and I think we had that early. But um, I think overall, we we've kind of got to give the guys credit; they've done a good job of adjusting to the league, and um, we're getting some results. We've had some injuries, uh, which had given some different guys opportunity so uh but we've we've gotten through it and uh yeah really really happy with with how our group has played um i think it helps it's great to see vancouver do well because i think you know when they have stability and and things are going well i think it just buys more time for our guys to just be here and uh work on their game and i think it's always good for guys to have just a little more time uh at our level just helps them to be more prepared when they do get their chance. And, and, you know, obviously Vancouver, they're going to need them. They're going to need some of our guys. They've needed them already. And, and, uh, but I think overall the depth in the organization is better. And, uh, that helps at both levels, just guys, you know, finding, finding their level, uh, which is, and I think you can see it, uh, results wise. Well, speaking of finding their level, you look atop your scoring leaderboard right now, and it's Arshdeep Baines with 17 points in 15 games. And he's a guy that we've talked a lot about on this show in terms of wanting to maybe see, take that next step and play at the next level. So with regards to his game, obviously the point production is there. What have you been working on with him or what has he been working on to go beyond like just the points where when it's a chance to be ready to play at the NHL level, he's ready to take that chance? Yeah, well, he, you know, we've talked about him a lot. Um, I know, I know, and and I think 
last year was he took a huge step just becoming a pro and becoming someone that we relied on in all situations. He was a really important player for our team. Um, I think his production didn't necessarily match how well he was playing. And, uh, you know, going into this year, we were hoping, I was hoping, he was hoping that he could um, take another step there and, and be be one of the top players in the league as far as, you know, production. Um, and he's, he's done that, you know, right out of the gates, which was really nice to see, just kind of shows his evolution as a player, being a guy that finds a way to, to produce goals for the team. I think... Uh, it was a bit of a balance. It has been a balance for him, is not losing those those details, those pro details, those NHL uh, that NHL standard of of play, uh, while also producing. I think he he was battling that. He has been battling that. I think uh, he's been injured here, so he he's missed uh, I think one week, and we haven't played a ton lately. So he, he's been out for ten days or so, but he's only missed two games. Um, but I think the challenge as he comes back here is going to be, you know, continuing to produce, but also the style of play that will transfer for him when he gets his NHL opportunity. And uh, he knows that we're all on the same page with that. I think he was he was getting there. It's just now as he gets back in the lineup, uh, going to get back up to speed and, and play that way again. What about Atu Ratu? Now that uh, Bovillier has been traded, um, he was part of that big uh, trade involving Bo Horvat, and um, the general expectation was that Atu Ratu was going to need a little more time in the AHL. What have you been working on with him? Yeah, he's uh, he's had a really good start. Um, I think last year was was tough for him, just the moving organizations and probably put some extra pressure on himself and what type of player he was going to be for us. Um, but I thought, you know, he, he had a good summer and came back. Um, I thought in noticeably better condition and, uh, he's, he's really improved here. Even in the first couple of months, um, playing, he's playing all situations right now and, and finding a way to, he's chipping in with some points, his line with, uh, Max uh, Sasson and, and uh, Carlson, they've been really good for us. Uh, just being a part of it every night. Uh, two-way, good, really good, solid two-way game. He's, uh, Rats is killing penalties for us, doing a good job there. Uh, he's been on the power play. Like, uh, he's going the right direction, I think. You know, it's, it's important to just keep getting better every day. Um, patience, I think, is, is important. Just let him let him play, let him continue to get better, uh, let him grow his game at our level. And I think he's, he's, we're, we're really happy with him for the first couple months here. So Vasily Podkolzin had a disappointing training camp, um, was sent down to the AHL, uh, suffered a pretty scary injury uh, once he got down there. Um, where is he at right now? Yeah, well, he just, he just got back. I think he's played uh, four games. Since, you know, again, we haven't played. He's been back for, you know, almost three weeks now, but we've only played four games. So um, I think as we the schedule picks up, that'll be good for him to get in the rhythm again. Um, 
I thought before he got injured, he was starting to get going, really playing aggressive, shooting the puck well, driving the net. And uh, we got to get him back to that. And he, I thought he had a really good game Sunday, uh, which was uh, really nice to see. He's a big part of our win, a big win in Calgary. Um, and now it's just kind of capturing that and building on it. And uh, to me, he's at his best when he's skating and driving and being aggressive. Um, don't you know? We don't want to be impassive. Uh, so you know that's that's our goal. We want to we want to get him back there and and uh, again, just let him play. And uh, I think he's a great kid. He's going to work. He's going to do everything he can to, to to get back. I know. So just as, as an aside, while while we're talking about these individual players, we hear so much from Rick Tockett about the importance of the forecheck and being effective on the forecheck. Can you help the listeners understand what some of the most important things are for the four checkers? Like, I don't need you to go into F1, F2, F3, and all that sort of stuff, but just yeah. like the yeah. general idea behind it and maybe some of the things that you're, you're working on with uh, with uh, the young Canucks. Yeah, well, it is. It's a big part of the game. It's a big part of our game as well. I think both Talk and I kind of see it the same way as kind of how we want to it's, it, you're, you're kind of imposing your will on the game and, and dictating how the game's going to be played. If you're a hard four checking team, uh, if you're aggressive, uh, going after, you know, their defense and, you know, so that it's a mentality thing, I think is, is the base of it. As you said, there's, you can get in the X and O's, but it's, it's a mindset. Um, and I think, you know, we both teams talk about playing fast, playing North, playing direct, that helps your forecheck because everyone knows where the puck's going. We know what's going forward. We know we're, we're advancing it. We're getting that thing all the way in. And, and it's not to say we're not trying to make plays on the way up if we can, but uh, when when we can't get something going off the rush, it's getting it behind their D, putting it in a good spot where you can go get it or get after them as they try to go back and get it and uh, getting on top of them. And I think big part of it is like everyone thinks about the the f1 and and not the first part of it but it's the recovery uh when that puck moves how quick do your forwards recover so that you know the next forward can go aggressively and he's not wondering if uh that first four checker is getting back above he knows it's it's just it's a given so that that frees him up to be aggressive and it's the same thing for a d like you know, some teams pinch all the time. Some teams pinch situationally. But if the D are hesitating because they're not sure that Ford's going to get back above and, and support them, mm-hmm. then they're late. They're late and they're no good. And uh, Bucks can go through them, and that's when a you're not you're not going to create anything. You're not going to sustain any zone time, but you're likely giving stuff up the other way. So um, again, that's just no X's and O's there. It's just mentality and and uh, being predictable and trusting each other when you're on the ice. Yeah, it reminds me of a conversation we had, I think, the last time we spoke, how um, one of the challenges that you find yourself working on with players a lot is, like, when the puck turns over, um, what is your reaction? And, and more specifically, maybe, like, how quick is your reaction? And, oh. and like, I is that... So we've been talking a little bit about some of the players that come over from the KHL or from Europe. Um is there a notable difference in how the game is played over in Europe 
compared to North America? And is there any relationship to that conversation that we're having right now? Yeah, well, I think there can be. Um, like when I was in Sweden, I tried, I wanted to play a North American game over there, recognizing that it is a bigger ice, but I just, I still feel that the the good ice is between the dots. And so, um, you don't want to change things too much, but the difference can be that things do develop a bit slower on the big ice. There's more time, um, to recover. Things are, they're just a little bit slower developing. So I think the guys who come over, it's often a shock at how quickly you can be in trouble defensively when the puck turns over in transition or, you know, even in, in, you know, kind of the half court game, the, the ozone play, the zone play, you can be on the wrong side in a, in a blink. And so if you're not locked in and engaged, you're going to get exposed. And I think for the European guys who you know, are used to playing more of a controlled game, a regroup game, uh, that can be a big adjustment because it just happens too quick on the small ice and especially, obviously, at the highest level. We are speaking to Abbotsford Canucks head coach Jeremy Colleton here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Jeremy, what was the parting message or the farewell message to Cole McWard after he got recalled from your team in Abbotsford to the Canucks and then made his season debut last night? Well, I typically don't give a... They get called up and it's, you know, good luck. You know, (laughs) see you later. Now it's, uh, you know, obviously we were talking about certain things daily and, and trying to prepare them and and getting that base in so that when they do get their chance, hopefully they have something to fall back on. Uh, but once, once they go up, it's, uh, you know, we got to pass them off, you know, and I think it's important that they're, they got to switch mindsets in a way, but uh, all these guys, we're just trying to, we're, we're hoping they're going to get a chance and more than anything, we're hoping that they have that base in that that's something to fall back on because it is going to get hard. <laughs> and uh, can do they have do they have that base detail and, and confidence in their details that uh, when you know things get when there's pressure, they they can get through it. So um, you know we're ha- obviously we've had some guys get called up recently. It's awesome to see and and uh, you know happy when they do well. When you say switch mindsets, what exactly do you mean by that? Can you explain that a little further? Yeah, well, it's, it's um, like I said, hopefully they have a base of how they're going to play that's going to transfer to the next level, right? But I think it's um, when you go up, it can be, you got to really be simple. And uh, it's obviously you got expectations from, the outside sometimes like parents and agents and, and fans and you got to really narrow your focus and, and just, we're, you know, we have a, we're asking them to do similar things here, but I think even more so at the next level, we're just worried about your next shift. Do those even in practice, put the puck on the tape, you know, you go, it's a, it's a simple retrieval drill, go back as quick as you can get that puck on your forehand, zip it on the forehand. Like that, those little things, will, that's what gets you through. So, um, you know, I think it's really important when guys go up, just, you know, be be simple, be clean, and uh, you'll fit in. 
So we asked you about Baines and Ratu and Pod Colson. Um, is there anyone that's playing particularly well right now that you would like to just give some appreciation to? Uh, yeah. Well, I think uh, Tristan Nielsen, he, he's another guy who's injured. We were missing him for, uh, it was almost a month, probably was a month. Um, he had a really good, you know, first weekend, first three games, and then he got hurt, and then he missed a ton. But he he played our uh, our second game down in Henderson, and right away was uh, he was an impact player, and he he just continues to be uh, he, he drives our team in a lot of ways. I think back to last year, our best moments, uh, he was in the middle of it typically, and uh, when we we had some we got thin there in the second half of the year. He, he drug us through that, and he's really not only has he picked up where he's left off. I think he's he's taken another step. Um, so, you know, really, really happy with him. Uh, we talked about Route too. He's he's done well. That whole line, like I said, with Max and, and Linus, uh, they've been probably our best line over the last two three weeks. Uh, really, really good to see. Uh, Jet Wu, you know, he continues to be just solid for us. Um, you know, we've, as I said earlier, we got a young D group, so he's taken on a lot of responsibility. And Lalanen has been out here for for a little bit, so he's he's been really solid for us. So, and we've we've had good goaltending too. Actually, it's uh, already he's gotten going here after the you know first couple of weeks. He's kind of inconsistent. I think he's been really good for the last little bit. And then uh, Nikita, in the, you know first year over here again, we talked about the big guys, similar for goalies, like things happen quicker. And he's trying to speed up his pace, but I think he's moving in the right direction. So, lots of good stories, and uh, you know, obviously, we're not no one's satisfied, but uh, really happy with the progress that a bunch of guys have made. I always cheer for the undrafted guys like Baines and Nielsen because I think if those guys can end up making the NHL, even one or two of them, there's such a good story for the organization. They're such a good story for the young guys in the organization. Maybe the guys that don't come in as first overall picks or first round picks or second round picks. You know, the Canucks have had good stories in the past like Alex Burroughs and Yannick Hansen. Um, you know, Burroughs was playing in the ECHL. Hansen was drafted in the, the ninth round, which they don't even have anymore. I mean, the, there was not a lot of expectations when these guys came into the organization, but they somehow found a way is there a common trait in these players that don't get drafted? Maybe they're late bloomers, or maybe they're just underappreciated when they are draft eligible. Um, I think probably because of the route they have to take, the the common trait would be they just they're relentless at working at their game, and uh, they never never satisfied. Always always you know trying to keep improving but I think uh, you to be a pro and stay a pro and once you play at the NHL level to stay in the league you need to keep that mindset and so you know I think sometimes those guys they go on to have long careers because they just they've been forced to to attack it that way and uh, so you love you love seeing that and I think uh, the other I'm, I'm happy for you to get good stories but I think more than anything for our group and for the organization, just the idea that, you know, you earn what you get and it doesn't matter where you were drafted or where you came from or maybe what you did before. It's, are you earning it now? 
And, uh, you know, talk, I've heard him speak a lot about earning the day and earning every day. And I think it's important that we live that here as well. The guys who are earning it got to play. Um, that that competition, that makes everyone better. And the, the players that get through that uh, environment and, and rise to the top, they're the guys you can win with, in my opinion. So I think you see that with our group. You know, the guys who've gone up, they, they deserve it and, and they're doing a good job. And we're trying to, to you know, develop more of them. So it's, um, I think we got, it's a good group down here and, and they're, they're doing everything they can. They're working to get better. And um, I'm, you know, happy and proud when guys get a chance going on. Jeremy, always fun talking hockey with you. Always interesting talking hockey with you. Uh, thanks for taking the time this morning and good luck as the season progresses. Maybe you guys can play some games yeah, soon. Thanks. Yeah, that's the plan. Well, I'm sure they, they always come eventually. <laughs> you know, it's like win, win, winter after fall. Yeah. It's going to come. So thanks a lot. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. That's uh, Jeremy Calden, head coach of the Abbotsford Canucks here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We should mention that the Abbotsford Canucks are back in action Friday and Saturday this week. Two home dates back-to-back against the hated Laval Rocket. I hate those guys. The Laval Rocket are coming to town. So uh, Wasn't Burr the coach there? Singular he coached there for a bit, didn't he? One He did. He's now now with the Habs. Yeah, Yeah, right. Sorry, what was that? Just a singular rocket. That caught me off guard. Okay. Yeah. They Just are one rocket. Yeah. That's all they could afford. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it, but that rocket was expensive. This is the Laval rocket. If you look at the statistical marks for Abbotsford right now, they have a lot of guys that are producing at a really high level. Like someone texted in, can you ask about Max Sasson? I'm like, probably not. But then I looked, and he's, I think he's like 10 points in 15 games or something like that. So he's gotten off to a pretty good start. A lot of guys have. Again, you want to talk about good times organizationally. I mentioned this a couple times now. I'll mention it again. Fourth best record in terms of points uh, in the NHL. Sixth best in the American League. And they could be even higher in the American League standings, but they don't get to play any games. They've been off for so long. So it's, it's a really good time for this organization. And it is a really nice thing. When you can have recalls from the American League that aren't just like stop gaps or you're desperate because you have to play this guy. Or yeah. He comes up and you can see that it's not going to be a long-term thing. Like Nils Oman, I think, um, and he got rewarded with a two-year deal a little while ago. I don't even think we mentioned it on the show because there was a lot of other stuff going on at the time. But like, there's a nice story. There's a nice find. But when he goes to the next level, mm-hmm. you can see that there's something there, right? He's not a space filler. He's not a, He's a big, muncher. strong dude. Yeah, all right? And, I mean, say what you will about the limited roles that guys like Hirose and McWard are going to play. The fact that they're there right now is a testament to um, a good job in the amateur scouting side, finding guys that you think might be able to fit. Because it was interesting. It was mentioned on the broadcast yesterday that I think Rick Tockett said something along the lines of McWard's game might translate better in the NHL as opposed to the AHL because it's more structured. And then he's like, this isn't to say that they don't play structured <laughs> hockey. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sur- like, hey. Yeah, or just like filling in the puck around down here. Like, we got structure. But I think there's some guys that honestly might have the blinders on better than others. And if you tell them you have to do these following three things mm-hmm. to be successful, they're like, okay, tell me. Yeah. And then I will do those three things and only those three things. <laughs> I will not color outside the lines at all. 
Yeah, those are the guys that like dump it in on a breakaway. I was told to get pucks deep. Yeah, but you were on a breakaway. Look, I, I did it okay. <laughs> yeah. Stop bothering. It was a good dump in. The yeah. card says pucks in deep. I just did what the card told me. Uh, so here's what uh, the Canucks will be up to today. They were practice. They are going to practice at noon out at UBC. Uh, they of course host Vegas tomorrow. The general manager Patrick Alvin is also going to speak to the media out at UBC. At around 11.30 this morning, so he's obviously going to talk about the Beauvillier trade, uh, where his roster is at. When they're going to sign Phil Kessel. When they're going to sign Phil Kessel. Oh, God. Okay, you made me say it. <laughs> nice. Um, and, well, he's going to be asked to address to like, some of the things about the blue line depth. Um, and, you know, Brad Living, the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, was had a similar uh, press conference a few days ago and he was like, we're going to try and improve the blue line, but like, (laughs) it's a lot easier said than done. While I love the idea of Phil Kessel coming to Vancouver, I feel like every cent of cap space, every single dollar should Mm -hmm. be reserved solely to get the blue line sorted out. Yeah, because you were mentioning like... You realize I say it tongue-in-cheek. I don't. I'd love it on a personal level. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be great. I think I think Kessel would be awesome because when you say like McWard and Hiroshi in there is testament to the you know the amateur scouting that they've done and I'm like it's also te- testament to the lack of NHL depth on defense. <laughs> I, I was trying to be optimistic <laughs> and positive for a change, but it not around me, sir. Not around me. When you're bringing up Cole McWard at this point and be like, okay, you're playing, like you know you don't have a ton of depth there, and I I just I, I've watched the NHL long enough and I've watched playoff hockey long enough to know that you can't get very far when you don't have some defensive depth in reserve. You just can't. There are teams that go into the playoffs with nine options on the blue line. Yeah. I remember Anaheim when they went on one of their runs. I think it was like in 2015 to the Western Conference Final. I remember listening to an interview with one of the guys who was on the executive side saying, you need about nine. Mm-hmm. Like that, and that's the reality of it. And we're not talking about nine human beings that can play. You need like nine guys, legit guys. Yeah, yeah, like you, you have to go down the lights. I think it was like, got it. Yeah, because why. you know, one day you're looking good, and the next day Dan Hamhuis tries to hip check. Uh, yeah, that. But that's no, we're not doing this anyway. <sighs> so right now, like the Canucks are part of the reason that you know they, they've kind of coincided with this 500 hockey they've played over the last nine or ten games is because they they the area of weakness, which was the collective depth of the blue line, was weakened with Susie getting hurt. And now you're starting to see, I think, some of the ramifications. Yeah, you have to lean on Hughes and Heronic in a big way. And yeah, they might get tired, especially when the schedule calls for, what was it, 10 games in 17 nights in mm-hmm. eight different cities. Right. It's a cumulative effect. It's not just, well, this guy's out of the lineup. This guy goes in. Well, it's it was very telling that, that they gave Hughes and Hironic the day off from practice and right? they just said, like, don't do anything. Just don't even move. Just sleep. Quinn Hughes probably woke up. I'm like, I am very stiff right now. <laughs> I'm playing <laughs> yeah. a lot of hockey. Can barely move. Uh, get you what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line 650. 650. We'll read them on the other side of the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. 
what we learn time It's what we learn time On the show 8.33 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It is what we learned time. What we learned is brought to you by... Oh, I just froze on the spot there. Go right. Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. <laughs> Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. I still hit the timing, though. That's good. Okay. Did uh, you freeze or did old Bessie over there freeze? I have all these things committed to memory now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can do North Star Metal Recycling at 1170 Pal Street in Vancouver in my sleep. Copper, brass, aluminum, steel. Just some of the metals that you can return for cash. You do say them in your sleep. You wake up like, aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when you say uh, things that are lying around the house. And every time I say, like, Mike Alford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can return me for cash. Why haven't we done that yet? Um, okay, we're going to do there's, what we learned. There, there's no metal in this, just nachos. That's right. <laughs> what do you mean you only give me 45 cents? Yeah. <laughs> Fine, I'll take it. <laughs> Awfully doughy for metal. Poke, poke. Okay, uh, let's do what we learned. We're going to start with me. Uh, I learned that Jason Kidd, yeah, that Jason Kidd, former Hall of Fame NBA point guard, now the coach of the Dallas Mavericks, uh, he understands what it's like to deal with jackals like Halford and Bruff, who are always constantly negative, house of negativity, toxic, writing, saying bad stuff about the locals' team. Always complaining. He had enough yesterday. I can't. I apologize for not knowing the reporter's name in the moment, but he had a back and forth with a reporter who I guess writes negative stuff about the Dallas Mavericks. I think it was Drance. Was it Drance? Oh. He's no. everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's omnipresent, that Drance. Uh Jason Kidd with a rant for the ages, some swears, but hit the major takeaway, don't be positive. Don't be negative. Be positive. One of the best, if not the best, in clutch time. But that was a big, big thing you guys wanted to make a big deal about last year. But you're not making a big deal about it this year because it's going good. Right? So write some positive I just asked you a question. And I'm giving you a answer. <laughs> Like, I'm, you guys, you know, there's all right to write positive stuff. People with your positive <laughs> You don't always have to be negative, right? Like, it's, it's just the world's already negative enough, right? So let's see some positive stuff on some positive people that are playing, doing their job on a nightly basis. Making it a lot easier to do that this year. Well, we're only into this year. We can't go back to last year, right? Like, that's the problem. Have a good night. So it doesn't really do it justice, the vibe, because it was the weirdest vibe I'd ever seen. Because Jason Kidd was cool, calm, and like laid back in the cut. Mm -hmm. But he was also furious because he walked out right after that. And he was swearing a lot for an NBA head coach. Like you get some swears. But mostly the players, like they're like off the cuff swears. It would have been funny if uh, someone put their hand up and was like, I do have a question about last season, though, and how it went. 
Because the Mavs had a bad season. They were like yeah. 38 and 44 and last season. And I will season. preface this the question that it's going to be negative in tone. <laughs> the part that gets it for me is the, the follow-up with the reporter. He's just making it a lot easier to do that this year. You, you look at Kid's face and he's just like, did he really just say that? Yeah. <laughs> There's like a second there where he has to think about what he's going to say. He wanted to drop a, this mm-hmm. mf'er, but he didn't do it. Kudos to him. But yeah, well, he did swear quite a lot. But yeah, then he swore a lot in the uh-huh. aftermath. Anyway, Mookow, all that swearing. Uh, we're going to go to Laddie. You have audio as well, right? I do. And this is in the uh, the quirky goaltenders category, what we learned Philip Gustafson, he's 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 a goalie for sure. If you just listen to his post game, uh, the Wild did win, I believe, their last game. But he's talking about the last little stretch that they had. He's not off to a great start this year, and things got a little tough for him. You go home after after these losses, and you just feel bad about yourself. Like ice cream isn't even tasting good anymore. So, getting back here celebrating it, it was just a such a relief to to win today. Ice cream doesn't even taste good. Just looked, no, wait just, a minute, this is yogurt. <laughs> we all, yeah, we all just looked right at Andy. Reporter but, was like, could you expand on the ice cream comment, please? <laughs> mm-hmm. Hi, Andy Cole, Sportsnet 650. I'd like <laughs> to talk about the ice cream. Adog, has the uh, sugar shortage actually been um, affecting you? I, um, I haven't noticed it. You haven't no. noticed it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, do, I, I, do you have a stockpile there's a re- Yeah, there's a reason there's a shortage. It's me. <laughs> That's why it goes to You went in and you bought up all the sugar? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Simpsons where they're the sugar ho. First you get the sugar. Warehouse of sugar. Then you get the power. Yeah. Then you get the women. Okay, mook out that. All right, here we go. First time that we're calling on intern Joseph. That's how I'm pronouncing your name, by the way. Not Joseph, Joseph. You've got a Toronto Raptors what we learned slash spicy hot take. Go. Yeah, uh, I think it's time for the Toronto Raptors, in light of their most recent loss to the Brooklyn Nets last night, to blow it up. It's You've time. seen enough. Yeah, it's time. They're very, very <laughs> mediocre. So the Raptors lost last night. They are out of the in-season tournament, which apparently people are taking seriously. Steph Curry was talking about how the Warriors were taking it seriously, and mm-hmm. the, the Boston Celtics were like intentionally fouling at the end of their game. They paid him to say that. <laughs> to, get, to get the point differential up. Uh, the Raptors are 8-10. and 10. I've watched enough games this year to concur that, like the Minnesota Wild, they're one of the most mid-teams in their respective league. I guess the question is, one, how do you go about it? And who, who's the first? What's the first piece to go? Well, I think it's time we saw rumors about this this morning that Pascal Siakam's name is being brought up in oh, trade rumors. Okay. Um, he's 28 years old. He doesn't fit their window. Um, they're going to be lucky even to make the play-in tournament, in my opinion. And it's I think it's time to finally move on from the 2019 championship. Because mm. of of the players right. who are he's on, the, he's the last. He's remnant. the last yeah, one. Yeah. It's him. I always felt like there was too much expectations for Siakam. Like he was supposed to, like Kawhi was so clutch in a short time with the Raptors, and then and then he left, and then I was like, okay, because there's nobody else, like you're the guy for us now. You're not just a supporting player; you're the man for us. And he's like, I'm is that a not, fair analysis? I'm not. I'm not. Good I'd, enough to be the man. I'd say that's about fair, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Siakam, obviously, he's a very, very good player, but he's not a number one on a championship team. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be very curious to see what direction they go because this is just more of the same of the last couple of years where they've just kind of been, eh. Like, they're not bad enough to be mm. terrible. They're not good enough to be... Siakam's trade value. Oof. Well, that's the intern. 
Yeah, um, lots. I mean, he's again he's very twenty-five and seven guy, and it's yeah. going to get you something in return. And he can pass, and he can defend, and he's switchable. Mm-hmm. He can defend pretty much every position at a high level. I mean, you'd you'd get a lot back. It's just with the way the NBA structured and the contract system, you just never really know for sure with like the way it works with expiring deals. You get a lot of first round picks and a couple of roster players. Basically. Have you noticed that all the young interns are like big basketball guys? Yeah, basketball Phil just texted in. This is the greatest validation you can get on this show is when basketball Phil texts in and says the intern is correct. Good job, intern Joseph. You have pleased. He's tall. The intern's tall too. He's got some height. All our yeah, everyone is tall now. You, you I wanted to, no I actually happened. we just I actually, hired exclusively tall people. I actually wanted to give him the nickname Greg from Succession cuz he kind of reminds me of Greg from Succession, but we have a Greg. Yeah, now Greg has a nickname and it's mm-hmm. Laddie, but I think it would be very confusing if we had an intern named Joseph whose nickname was Greg and then every time I'd say Greg, <laughs> Laddie, would it would be very confusing hey, we also have on every Tuesday. Oh man. Uh, this now got more confusing. Anyway, a lot of Greg's Joseph, on this show. Good job. Good what we learned. Move well down. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we're going to print out some humanoid submissions right now. What we learned, humanoid edition is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them online at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God. We're having a fire plan. I love it every time. Uh, let's go with basketball, Phil, because he's got a what we learned. What we learned in the year 2000, Mark Cuban bought the Dallas Mavericks for $285 million. Yesterday, he sold them for $3.5 billion while maintaining control of basketball operations. Pretty good deal. There is also talk he will run for president as a leader of the Democrats. Um, yeah, it, just to, to clarify, I don't think he sold them for a full $3.5 billion. Like, he's not pocketing that. I think he's going to maintain some interest. But the value that he's getting, I think he's selling a majority stake for something like $2 billion. So he's still going to maintain yep. some interest in the team. I'll be curious to see what Mark Cuban's going to do. He's going to run for president, man. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I hope it's something like that. I was a little worried that. You know, it might be health thing or something like that. He's like not going to be part of Shark Tank anymore. He's yeah. selling out of uh, he's selling is- his majority share out of the Mavericks. He's he's sixty five years old. I know that's the you know? thing that caught me off guard the most. If mm-hmm. you had asked me how old Mark Cuban was prior to yesterday, I would have said fifty. Yeah, I I, I was shocked that he's sixty five. Yeah, I guess be, had- being being rich makes you look so much younger. It, it definitely helps. And you know why? It's because money is the key to happiness. It's yep. true. <laughs> He's 100% right. They always look so good on the outside and feel even better on the inside. That's when they right. Have that much you money. know, all rich people are happy. That's Did true. you know that? Yeah. Uh, unsigned what we learned, I learned that the stock of players in this market is more volatile than a toddler at the dinner table. How long ago was it now that we were trading Besser for pennies on the dollar? We wouldn't even gotten pennies on the dollar. We would have had to give pennies on the dollar to get rid of Brock Besser's contract. And that's what that it, it, it's such a great story. Yeah, I mean, seeing him score, and he's not just fluking into it either. Like a lot of his goals are kind of dirty goals. He's like great. last night he goes to the front of the net, and all of a sudden the rebound drops at his feet. He's like another one for Brock. If there was a ratio between distance from the blue paint to how many goals he scored, like Bessers would be four he, he, average of four feet. He's away. actually had some crazy good looks in the slot and we all know he's got a pretty good shot that he's missed quite a few of those like i i was just looking at all the chances that he's had over the last i don't know three or four games and he has scored like 10 goals yeah 
By the way, there have been a handful of people texting in, and I know that it's a wide... Oh, cro- don't fight with the listeners. No, 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 but I know it's a wide cross-section of listeners, right? There's, like, some that can think, and then some that can't. For some reason, we focus on the ones that can't, but some people are saying, oh, now you guys are singing Besser's praises when you were the same guys that wanted to trade him for cap space before. My answer is like, yeah. <laughs> Both things can be true, you know. Like, I don't, what do you want me to tell you? You know who else was trying to get traded? Brock Besser and Ben Hankinson. <laughs> so you're getting fired up. I like it. I think your New Year's resolution should be to fight less with the listeners. Uh, no. I think it should be to fight more with them. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, what we learned, I like this one, unsigned. What we learned, I learned that Michael Carconi... Has nine goals and three assists in 20 games, yes. including a hat trick. Remember him? Yes. He scored he twice pl- last night. He plays for Arizona. Yeah, he scored twice last night against, uh-huh. the, against the Lightning. Yeah, I saw, his, I saw his post-game interview, and I was like, yeah, it's taken a while for me to get here. I don't know how this happened, because he was just, he was a, like a, a jag, just another guy with the Canucks when he was in Abbotsford. Like, he scored a bunch, but I don't remember him ever being close to being considered for the NHL roster, right? Do you? I mean, I, I'm trying to honestly look back on the... Did then, he play some games for the Canucks? Uh, he played for Utica. He did not play he any games. Play any I don't, they yeah, don't I play don't anything for the Canucks, but I remember... Was it, was he, did we think he was like, he's an AHL assassin, like a guy that can produce down there? He wasn't even that. <laughs> he wasn't even doing that. He was just like, an, what's the opposite he, of an he, assassin? Like he was under that, half a point a game with yeah. the Utica comments. Right. And then it's for, like he'd, he'd be the guy that we'd see at training camp. Right, like, and then he went to, and he'd be like, "I'm pretty happy to be invited to training camp." Yeah, yeah. just I'm brought like, him to make the room feel good. Yeah, like, did you? I, like, he's the, the guy. That's, guy yeah. He was the guy that signed like an ATO, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, he was he was at the bottom rung of an organization. Then he went to Arizona, and then he absolutely blew apart the American League. That's awesome. He was and, loaned to Arizona. Yeah, initially, and, and now, and then he went. I think he went, and he the the breakout was when he played with Canada at the Worlds with Tyler Myers. And, oh, that's right. That's when. Yeah, yeah, yeah and okay. he had six points in ten games. I'm like, is that the same Carcone? How old is he? Uh, I got his 27. He's yeah. 27 years old. It's just the most random thing. Oh, good for him. But it's awesome. Uh, Mike in Vancouver, what we learned, I learned that Nikolai Goldobin is currently leading the KHL in scoring. Maybe we need to bring him back. I do wonder, not about Goldobin coming back to uh, the Canucks because I think Rick Tockett uh, would probably resign. It's a bad fit. Feels like uh, it's a bad fit. I mix. wonder if Goldobin's going to be back in the NHL, though, because Goldobin was always one of those guys that like he liked being in North America. He wasn't a Trampkin who was like, I'm uncomfortable here. I want to go back to Russia. Um, Goldie yeah. embraced the North American he lifestyle. Liked, he liked his American sneakers. He's like, I love blue jeans. Yeah, but American you know? sneakers, <laughs> big, chunky sneakers. I want more. I'm still holding out that my prediction comes true. What? My goal, my prediction when he left the Canucks was that he will sign with the Kraken and score 40 goals. <laughs> and that didn't happen. Unless the NHL decides. It sure didn't, Greg, did it? Yeah. Nope. Maybe this time. Unless the NHL, comes back. Unless the NHL decides that it's going to play all its games moving forward east-west rather than north-south, I don't think Goldobin's coming I back. I thought maybe with an expansion team, they'd open it up and he'd have free reign. But, I remember I, re- yeah. I referred to Goldobin's game as meandering once, and Bruff mm-hmm. was like, yes, that's, that's the, the perfect word. word. He just meanders. And that's why it works on the big ice. Yeah. You just kind of hang around. out there. Yeah. It's interesting talking about the big ice because I remember um, when the Olympics were being played on the big ice uh, at Sochi, mm-hmm. people were like, oh, it's going to be so wide open. I'm like, nope, it's not. Because what happens really is like you start 
packing it in around the goal sure. defensively because you're like, well, I can't get caught out there. Yep. Right, you don't want to get caught out there. It's not like this freewheeling thing. I remember the first time I saw it, it felt so slow. It's the, so slow, man. But it, yeah, but it's it wasn't. So I mean, slow. it isn't technically. I guess they're moving fast, but there's just so much space. It's more like soccer. It's like almost like an illusion. Well, it's like soccer. Like there's yeah. a buildup. There's yeah, a yes. buildup to the play as opposed to in North America where you're talking to Jeremy Jeremy Carlson and he's like, you know, one thing that the players when they come over from Europe have to learn is like how quickly you can suddenly be really out of position and behind the play. So if you're the four checker and you're the first four checker in, like you can't just be like, all right, I'm going to stay down below the goal line. Like you have to immediately your job. Isn't you know, the first guy in there? It's not his job to go get the puck, right? It's his job to force a fast play, and then hopefully the second guy gets into some sort of puck battle along the wall, and then there's support from the third guy. But if the puck gets past those guys, the first guy who went in there better already be on his horse back checking. But a lot of the time that doesn't happen because they're like, I'm already in here, right? Like, yeah. and I don't want to skate because it's hard and I'm not in the best shape. <laughs> I have a local take on that Olympic size ice, though, because if there's fans of the BCHL listening, okay, South Surrey Arena, it's an Olympic sized rink, it's the one Olympic sized pad in the BCHL. Really? And the Eagles, yeah, they, they have every year they focus on having puck moving mobile defense that can transition the puck mm-hmm. the other way, and it. It pays off for them because other teams aren't used to playing on that. I, I played at the Olympic ice out at the Richmond Oval mm-hmm. a couple times. It's and too I, big. <laughs> and I'm a winger. It's too big. And so on the breakouts, I'm like going to the wall and I'm like, how long does it take to get here? Yeah. I'm actually right? thinking that like, I'm really slow. Yeah. I'm actually thinking about how long it's taking me to get to the boards. You get to the boards, oh, game's over. Yeah, yeah. I get to the boards and I'm like, I got to change them up. I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's tough for the goalies too. It's, it's a ton of east-west, especially on the power play because they don't shoot from the side. They don't, there's no perimeter shots really on the Olympic. It is actually fun from a beer league perspective Mm -hmm. to play on that ice because you get to have the puck a lot, right? It's on your stick and there's not someone on you right away. Um, I should clarify, it's fun for guys like me that suck. Yeah, that's very important clarification. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Point oh, of yeah. context. Room for activities. Point yeah. of context. <laughs> um, okay, we got two texts on this. One is on signs from Gary. I forgot, we're almost in December, so it's this time of year. This happens every December. Congrats, Gary writes, on being my top Spotify podcast for 2023. 15,000 minutes of moo cows. And Kintech reads. Now, <laughs> if you think that's something, here's one from Alistair in Victoria. Hashtag WWE what we learned. I learned that I have listened to over 20,000 minutes of Halford and Bruff so far in 2023. Wow. Where's my platinum Must membership? Must go to Kintech. Yeah, where's my platinum membership card to the H&B Club? Um, we, we should have a points program. We, no yeah, yeah. I replied to Alistair. <laughs> just random stuff around the office we just shipped to them. I replied Man. to Alistair. I'm like, we're working on a points reward program. I don't know what we could offer. I said one of the ideas is a dog can record compose, sing uh, a personalized jingle for you. We need right? merch. We need like an A-Dog branded cereal bowl. I was thinking, okay, <laughs> yeah, we do. And the bowl is like, it holds 18 gallons of cereal. Yeah. Yeah. More cereal than any one man can eat in a lifetime. You're like, what's that for? Platters? Serving? No, one man's cereal. Not um, enough I think, sugar. I think also, uh, we used to do sh- t-shirts way back in the day. I we remember. stopped doing them. Mm. Um, I think The Shotgun that- Jake t-shirt stopped selling. Don't know why. <laughs> Who's to say? Um, I think we could do either really generic, like we could do it's what we learn time as a shirt. I think some loser, quite frankly, would wear it out in public, right? 
but means some loyal listener. <laughs> right. Also that. No, that's a better way yeah, yeah. to say it. That's a better way to if say it. If you look it. at the Zen diagram, there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. you know. Did you call uh, it the Zen diagram? You did. Yeah. Isn't that what's it called? Ben Zen diagram. diagram. What's Zen diagram? <laughs> Here we go. This is our show. <laughs> yeah. Calling into Austin what we learned. I take my hand off to him. <laughs> With his Zen diagrams and what okay, have you. Okay, ask another question about Matt Boldy. <laughs> Colin Dewasson, what we learned. Tiger Woods says he'll try to play one tournament per month in the coming year and that he still still feels he can win. Yeah, Tiger's going to play this weekend in his tournament in the Bahamas. And yeah. that's a great place to host a tournament if you've got a tournament. Uh, it's the Hero World Challenge. There's like 30 guys that go. Um, and once again, like I, I don't know about you guys. You guys probably aren't. But like I still get excited when Tiger plays because we're all watching to see what he looks like when he swings. Does he grimace when he swings? Um, And the big thing for Tiger is whether or not he's going to be able to play at courses like Augusta where you got to, it's a tough walk Mm -hmm. and he couldn't do it last year, but he was saying that he's, he's played so much with his son, Charlie. He's caddying for Charlie. He's caddying for Charlie. He's like, I've walked a lot of holes. I've hit a lot of balls. You know, I haven't been keeping score. So he actually had a pretty, uh, pretty funny quote. My game feels rusty. I haven't played in a while. I'm excited to compete and play. I'm just as curious as all of you are to see what happens. I know, that was when I saw that. That was I'm pretty like, funny. All right, here we go. Okay, uh, the music is playing. That means we gotta go. Signing off. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A Dog. He's been Laddie. He's been Intern Joseph. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What a freaking boost.